Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. In my early years, I would go camping in remote locations. This taught me that I always wanted to have some extra provisions with me so that just in case some kind of a surprise happened, I could still get out of there and not go hungry. I've faced roads that have slid out, trees across roads, and mud, snow, and sand barriers. A few times, I have awoken to find a foot of snow on my sleeping bag. (laughs) It was thrilling. You want to have what you need right on hand to get you through that rough spot. And you want to have an attitude that shouts, where there is a will, there is a way. Whether it is you or someone else in a difficult position, it is of extreme importance to give comfort and to show hope. This reflects the hope and comfort which God gives us. He shows us examples of this in his Bible. God has also given us a rational mind to show us the importance of preparing in this life and preparing for the next life. Everyone has a different approach to what our preparedness needs are and to what our desires are. I urge you to look at what yours are. That is to say, what are the difficulties that you want to prepare for? And then after you have them figured out, take the steps, maybe in weekly increments, to complete those preparations. You could work on everything all at once, but really it's just too expensive to do that, to prepare all at one time. And besides, your ideas usually improve over time as you look at what you really need. There are emergency preparedness kits that are very good, but they're a little bit expensive, and probably they won't cover everything well enough that you want to see that is important to you. So make this examination now before an emergency arises. You keep the basics in mind, air, water, food, and warmth. And with this, consider that you won't have electricity. So you'll want to have flashlights and a radio and plenty of batteries. Batteries are good. And if your loved ones know that you are prepared, it will greatly reduce their anxiety about you. Likewise, if your loved ones are prepared, it will greatly reduce your anxiety about them. And that will make it so you're able to get through any difficulty much easier without the anxiety. So, all in all, it's good to be prepared. And I hope you begin to take steps today to see what kind of things you would want to have on hand. Start your preparations now before there is an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. Stores, they really do run out of things with surprising frequency. So get the things well in advance. As for today... Give thanks to God for the blessings that we do have each and every day. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome world to Red Sky Radio and the Red Sky Radio Ranch where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Again, it is a packed program. Today, wherever you may live, you are, well, you're going to hear things that pertain more to American politics today, specifically than maybe other programs. But that's because we just had the president a couple days ago give the State of the Union address, an important speech, and a very, 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 telling speech. But I want to give you a little bit of insight for everybody who is not from the United States listening to this program as to why this program actually has importance to you. When you are done with this, you will know better, A, whether you would have a desire to leave your country and try to immigrate, emigrate from your country, immigrate into to the United States, you will know, B, whether you would want to invest in this country. C, you will know better where the direction of this country is going, which may relate to parts A and B. And you will be better informed than you will be reading things from the mainstream media, which uh, is per, is simply on an anti-American crusade, has been forever. People who have a difficult time with uh, dealing with sin and as a result, therefore, have to uh, bash, combat, attack everything that would ever convict them of sin. And there you have the media and there you have the American left, which is growing in its rancor, which is growing in its vileness. It's growing in its vitriolic nature. It's growing in its venom. It's growing in its desire to, to exercise vengeance upon all those who disagree. You just only have to watch the video. But I promised in this program we start with good news. I will do my best to end with good news in between. Hang on, it's a wild ride. So I, I want to launch with a non-State of the Union address matter, but connected to the same person, something that happened later this week of incredible importance that gives an insight as to the kind of president that we have here in the United States. Donald Trump appeared at the National Prayer Breakfast, something that Barack Hussein uh, would routinely blow off because he ended up getting embarrassed, deservedly embarrassed by Ben Carson at one, I think, back in 2012 or thereabouts. Again, because uh, Ben was focused uh, and has a desire to exalt a culture of life, and whether Obama's about death or not, we know that he couldn't care less about life, given the degree to which he pushed the execution 
of the innocent unborn in the womb. As a viable right, a right which was, of course, not in the Constitution. For those of you who are not familiar with the U.S. Constitution, which probably includes as many percentage-wise of people in the United States listening to this program as those from another country, there is no right to an abortion in the Constitution. It is not there. If you would, In fact, this would be an incredible study for most people because it isn't studied barely in law school. And Roe v. Wade had occurred long before I went to law school. It isn't studied in civics or government classes other than to just say, a woman's got a right to choose, blah, 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 blah. Read Roe v. Wade. And you will be astounded at the degree of nonsense. And you will see that there is no right. It is an amalgamation, a collection of, it is a witch's brew is all it is. It's an amalgamation, and you throw in a little bit of this and a little bit of that, throw in a bit of this amendment, a little bit of that amendment, a little bit of another amendment, a little bit of arsenic, a little bit of strychnine, and you end up with Roe v. Wade. Now, back to Donald Trump, because this is a good news portion after all, is it not? Maybe the best news is we win in the end. But before that... Trump going to the National Prayer Breakfast, he could have spoken on anything, right? You don't have to speak about pro-life matters at the National Prayer Breakfast, but you would address the things that are the most urgent. That being at the top of the list, probably followed by queer marriage and everything else queer. Sorry, Cory Booker. We'll get to you later in the program. Donald Trump made the statement. He said, quote, and you'll see why this is good news. We must build a culture that cherishes the dignity and sanctity of innocent human life. Now, I have to stop there for a second because I have used the phrase, and I have, I've said this for 15 years, probably closer to 20 years, 15 for sure. Tell me with what part of this statement do you disagree, Ex- Abortion is the intentional, purposeful execution of innocent, unborn human life. I have always focused on the human life, not the person part, the human life and the innocent. I have not actually seen that show up in people's statements until the last 24 months. If it is, I haven't heard it. I'm not saying that I launched it. I'm just saying that this is the uh, the undefeatable argument in favor of of the pro-life position. And he used it, the sanctity of innocent human life. It's human, it's alive, and it's innocent, and the Democrats want to execute the child because they want to be able to do that and advocate for people to do that. Sort of like Jesus said, not only uh, do you not believe, but you, you are a proselyte. You've become twice the child of hell that you are by going around and teaching others to do like you do. And why do they do that? To cover their sin. It's the same old, same old. All right, back to the quote, because I digressed. We must build a culture that cherishes the dignity and sanctity of innocent human life. All children... Born and unborn are made in the holy image of God. Every life is sacred. Every soul is a precious gift from heaven. That's as far as he got, end quote. The crowd started, stood and started uh, applauding rapturously. But they didn't stop. He continued by quoting one of the verses I quoted a couple of weeks ago. He didn't quote it because I quoted. I'm just saying we're on the same page from Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God speaking. Well, actually, I'm speaking his words. I'm not God. I'm speaking what God spoke. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. End quote. God had a, has a plan for every child. It's man that interrupts and screws it up by killing him. This is our president. Contrast this with Barack Hussein 
or what anything Hillary would have ever said or anything Cory Booker, the guy who's out, prost- or out pimping for the presidency, Kamala Harris, who's prostituting for the presidency, and all the yin-yangs that are trying to outleft each other. Would they even show up? No, of course not. I mean, it's a lot like Obama. He quit showing up. I mean, would, would George Bush II have said this? No. He's a guy who talks about his salvation experience, but he wouldn't have said this. Clinton, no way, Jose. George Bush the first. You would probably have to get back to Ronald Reagan to find a president who was pro-life. But he wasn't as openly pro-life as Trump is because back when Reagan was in power, the left wasn't this far left. We didn't have partial birth abortion. We weren't slaughtering kids as they exited the womb like Pharaoh demanded of the Hebrew midwives. If you see it's a boy when he comes out, kill the little guy. And guess what? The Hebrew midwives disobeyed, just like every single state in the nation should deny the so-called Supreme Court that orders that as the law. You have a right, governors. You actually have an obligation to be as the Hebrew midwives and defy Pharaoh. Now, I'm hearkening back to last week, a program you need to hear and know about entitled, When Do You Know? that you must disobey? How do you know and when do you know that you must disobey civil authority? But this is our president. The guy who says, of course I'm Christian. I was raised as a Presbyterian. Folks, I have never heard a worse explanation of why you are a a Christian because most Presbyterians today aren't. You're shocked? Rob, are you judging? Hey, I can judge a tree by its fruit, exactly what Jesus told us to do. You shall know a tree by its fruit. And when it spouts and spews evil, like the Presbyterian Church USA, which wouldn't recognize a Bible in a Christian bookstore, when they spew the evil, the ungodliness that comes out of them, which is inseparable and inseverable from the democrat policy lines, and political agenda, and political planks to their platforms, you will draw the same conclusion. There could be no poorer explanation, no poorer proof of being a Christian than to say that you're Presbyterian. That is where Trump is on the thing. But nonetheless, nonetheless, the guy has God's word apparently sovereignly put in his heart to know basic right from wrong. People say he's like a he's like a fifth grader. The way he talks and thinks. Well, I'll tell you what. Guess what? You take a fifth grader and show him an ultrasound, and he'll say, that is not a fetus. That is not a product of conception. That is a baby. Now, you're wondering, after all these weeks, why I've been on a pro-life rant is because it demands ranting about, and the, the State of the Union address makes this topic something that needs to again be revisited for the reasons that you will see forthcoming here. Now, before we get on to the State of the Union address, because we're going to cover that, I have a couple of other comments. Billy, hope you're out there listening today, our Red Sky Radio Las Vegas bureau chief, who sends me a lot of great stuff. I don't tell you how much I appreciate you, Billy, but if you're listening, I certainly do. But he referred me to a video that you need to see, and it's by Brandon Brandon Tatum, uh, a, a young black guy. Actually, anybody you know under about 45 looks young to me. I don't really know how old he is. He is uh, he heads up a group called Blexit, called Blacks Waking Up and Leaving the Plantation. You gotta love it. Who said that this is the greatest State of the Union address he has ever heard? Now, admittedly, he said I haven't heard every single one. You know, I've only been around for such and such a time, but it's the greatest one that I have ever heard. And I would agree. If you want to check it out, go go to it. It's, it's Brandon Tatum, T A T U M. Just type his name into YouTube. 
that that uh, YouTube that I have now been kicked off from uh, and put in greatest State of the Union address in history or something along that line, Brandon Tatum. You'll pull it up. It's just from a few days ago. And I want to concur. It was the best State of the Union address I had ever heard. And there's only one State of the Union address that I have heard in my many years that even comes close. And that was Trump's State of the Union address last year, which was fabulous. Last piece of good news before we launch here, I want to thank the people who are listening to this program, uh, the one who's helping uh, critical in the dissemination. Uh, our staff, we, we now have a part st- part-time staff of two others, one paid, non-paid, one who works a little bit, and I love him to pieces, my brother, one who I'm coming to love, who actually pay a little bit, does a great job. We had 60,000 people who tuned into Red Sky Radio last week, up 1,500% from just a year ago. Thank you, you guys, and thank you for, for listening. Now, onward and upward here to the State of the Union. Now, I do something a little bit different uh, with the State of the Union address. I've mentioned this before. I do not watch it before I read it. This bothers people when they come up to me and they'll say, uh, you know, did you watch the State of the Union? Well, they know that I'm ramped up and cranked up on on political slash religious issues. So when I tell them no, they're shocked. And they're they're stunned. And I said, well, no, no, I'm going to watch it. But I don't watch it when everybody else watches it because I want to read the transcript first. I want to see what he says before I see what people think and say about what he says or their reactions in the video area. Now, some will say, look, I don't like to watch it, but I do like to hear it. Had one party tell me that I prefer it on radio. Well, we just hear it different ways. Did I see it? Yes, but I read it first, something I always do. And so I have the transcript in front of me, and I think it's a good idea that you guys, everybody would take a read at it, um, take a read at it. That's not even proper English. I apologize all of our listeners in India, many of whom speak better English than we do, for my lousy English there. Anyway, we are going to look at it, and I'm not going to cover it in great deal detail, other than the fact that when we get to the end of the State of the Union, or at least that part of which I'm going to cover, you will see why those in the United States should be, cover, uh, should be concerned about the U.S. And anybody planning to move here or invest here from another country needs to be concerned. It'll become obvious. It'll be painfully obvious. But I want to say, just starters, this was a speech that was upbeat. It was optimistic. It was bold. And it was unifying if you're a good person. It's a unifying message even if you're in the middle. It's only a non-unifying message if you're a bibliophobic, Christophobic, Elohimophobic, El Shaddaiophobic, Democrat. And I'm sorry for the re- all the redundancy that I just set forth there. But I want to point out a couple of great lines. I know Trump didn't come up with these, but he gets credit for them because even though others wrote them, The president still has to be willing to speak them. And that is when the president owns these particular phrases from the State of the Union address. In his call for unity, I thought it was a great statement very early on when he said that he hopes that we will govern not as two parties, but as one nation. That's a great statement. Now, I want to clarify something here before I go any further. I did not agree with everything this president said. I did not. People who think I'm just a shill for uh, for Trump, I'm just a, a blathering mouthpiece for the guy, you are, you are incorrect. If he says something that's wrong that I disagree with, I will say it. However, where he is wrong was relatively minor to all the enormous meaningful areas of which he was right. 
and I only say wrong, and I'll point it out when we get to it. It was only to point out that he's not a conservative. He's not a liberal. He's not a conservative. He's a man who seems to be responding to the promptings of a God who's responding to a lot of people praying for this president to be the Cyrus we need, to be bold, to be strong, and to be right. People are people say, well, how can you pray for this guy who's been married, what, three times and who's said this and done that and blah, blah, blah. Well, the same way that I could pray for anybody, same way I prayed for Obama to get saved and speak truth instead of lies and deception, the same way that I would have prayed for Hillary Clinton, but that if they, she didn't respond, said not all men have faith, meaning not all men are women. So God, deliver us from unreasonable men. Second Thessalonians 3, 2, I think is the address. Deliver us. Either move us out or get the hook and remove them. Well, when a person is used of God, I care about where Donald Trump is salvation-wise. I do. But I don't care in the sense of this, I, that the person in charge speaks that which is truthful and right, regardless of where he or she is on the political spectrum. Now, it's never going to end up on the Democrat side, but I've said this before, that if you took an Orthodox Hasidic rabbi who might not make eye contact with me in an elevator, and I say that because that is a true event when I was in Miami, once, they couldn't, I could not get these rabbis, Orthodox rabbis, to make eye contact with me. Somehow a sin. Would I vote for that guy who knows the, the Old Testament anyway and the moral laws and codes, which are the hallmarks of a successful nation? Would I vote for that guy over somebody who can quote verbatim the Westminster Confession, maybe out of a Presbyterian church or whatever, but is out there supporting the slaughter of the innocent unborn, supporting queer sex, queer marriage, everything LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ, who wants to strip us of our gun rights by, by faking some passage in Scripture or perverting it or bastardizing the gospel, would I vote for the Orthodox guy who wouldn't look me in the face? Absolutely. In a heartbeat, I would give money to his campaign. If he says and does what is right, I don't care what they just say. I care what they do. And I don't care about their past. Do you know what Obama did in the past and what Bill Clinton did in the past? were not a concern to me except for and to the extent that they ultimately lied about it in the present. The lying about it in the present was the sin greater than what they did 30 years before. I'm not proud of the things I did 30 years ago. Some of the things I've done 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 10 months ago, I'm not proud of some things 10 days ago and 10 hours ago from thoughts that aren't right to things that were not got. Look, I'm not there. I'm not the perfect man. So I'm less concerned about the past than where we are headed to in the present. So I'm less concerned. People say, well, how can all these evangelicals be praying and surrounding this? But don't they know his past? Sure. Sure we do. Just the same way that Jesus knew the past of the woman who had five husbands, or the harlot, or the tax collector who cheated people out of their money. Guess what? It was in their past. But when their past now becomes prologue, when the past of somebody like on the Democrat side shows no remorse, no repentance, they don't relent from any of their thoughts and actions, and in fact, only amplify the evil that they have brought into the present, and project that to be the way that they would rule in the future, that's a person you want to be removed from. That's a person I want God to remove from office because they don't have faith. God deliver us from unreasonable men and unreasonable women. But when a person's present 
is indeed truly different than their past. And their past is bad, but their present is good and showing remarkable and continuous improvement. Why would I not cheer for that person? Just like Brandon Tatum, the black man on that YouTube video I recommended, is cheering for somebody who knows right and is going in the right direction and has not given us a pile of hooey at every time trying to deceive us. So I've gotten one statement into the State of the Union. You can see how this is going to go. No, I'm gonna, i got to speed it up here. But as two, he wants us, <clears throat> excuse me, that we, would, that we would govern not as two parties but as one nation. Well, if the nation rules and governs righteously, then that unity is a good thing. If we as one nation are going to end up ruling as a pack of wild-haired, maniacal democrats, then that's a bad thing. So I like it for what it was intended, not for necessarily what it could prove to be, but for what the intent, the unifying attempt, the hand outstretched. I love, I love that expression. And the follow-up expression for a few minutes later, victory is not winning for our party. Victory is winning for our country. I like that. What else? Number three, what do the pro boards always say? Ah, we believe in a right to choose. A right to choose. They'll never finish a sentence. I'm not going to go back to it. I said it, I, I covered it enough times in the last month about how that's a deceptive, misleading statement. Choose what? Because they don't have the guts to choose, and or they don't have the guts to finish the statement. Choose the right. I, I believe in the right to choose death of innocent unborn children. That's what they are choosing the right to have. But they don't have the guts to finish that sentence. Well, here's Donald Trump. Donald Trump finished that sentence. He said, quote, tonight, I ask you to choose. But he didn't leave it there. I ask you to choose greatness. That was sweet. It was beautiful. It was majestic. You do have the ability to choose greatness. Look, the fool says in his heart there is no God, which means the wise man says there is a God. How could I call Cory Booker the most idiotic, dumb person in the whole earth? Because I've never heard, I haven't heard a current politician so hate Scripture as Cory Booker does. But you know what? Cory Booker could be a very wise person. And to be smart and to be full of wisdom, all he's got to do is agree with God, right? Choose greatness. Choose exceptionalism. An exceptionalism that is rooted in a goodness and a goodness that was rooted in the Word of God. Great, best line, actually, of the night. He goes on to talk about an era of cooperation, that needs to occur. Well, I want to say, in response to that, if the cooperation means Republicans bending over and just kissing everything that the Democrats come up with, that's not the cooperation we need. But more when we return. Rob Walter, Red Sky Radio. Be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you.
We are back. This is Rob Boulder with Red Sky Radio, continuing on with the President's State of the Union Address, the best State of the Union Address uh, ever, eclipsing only last year's uh, as the the former best State of the Union Address. But I want to address the issue that uh, the President brought up dealing with the border. And I want to quote this part. I just want to read through it because... If you heard it, you need to hear it again. And this is a man who loves our country. This is not a guy who hates people. Do you hate the people that are walking down the street? Of course not. Do you want the people who are walking down the street to just walk in your front door uninvited? Of course not. But because you have locks on your doors to keep people from just walking in your front door, does it mean you hate the people who are walking down the street? Of course not. But this is the vanity, inanity, and insanity of the left who would disagree with this portion of the president's speech. He said, and I might say before I quote, if you're in Hungary, this would apply to Hungary. If you're in Germany, this applies to Germany. This applies in any country where people who do not have the the interests of a true betterment of your country and of their families on their mind, but come in like leeches to, just to, to, to suck off from the goodness and the wealth of your country, or they come in to destabilize it or to wreck it, it applies to your country just as much as it applies to the United States. He said, quote, I have ordered another 3,750 troops to our southern border to prepare for a tremendous onslaught of illegal immigrants coming to the United States. This is a moral issue. The lawless state of our southern border is a threat to safety, security, and financial well-being of all Americans. We have a moral duty to create an immigration system that protects the lives of and the jobs, I'm sorry, I had to flip a page here, of our citizens. This includes our obligation to the millions of immigrants living here today who followed the rules and respected our laws. Legal immigrants enrich our nation and strengthen our society in countless ways. I want people to come into our country, but they have to come in legally. Tonight, I'm asking you to defend our very dangerous southern border out of love and devotion to our fellow citizens and to our country. No issue better illustrates the divide between America's working class and America's political class than illegal immigration. Wealthy politicians and donors push for open borders while living their lives behind walls, gates, and guards. I got to stop here. This was a hooray moment. If I could jump higher than what I could jump, I would have been a rocket in that house chamber. This is this because this is something that so angers me that those who speak for and want open borders are the ones who've got armed bodyguards on the their, and walls surrounding their mansions. They've got all the protections in the world. And this includes some, frankly, some wealthy so-called Republican businessmen who want to use, abuse, and misuse illegal, cheap immigration labor, illegal immigration labor. Back to the speech. Meanwhile, our working-class Americans are left to pay the price for mass illegal er, migration, reduced jobs, lower wages, overburdened schools and hospitals, increased crime, and a depleted social safety net. Tolerance for illegal immigration is not compassionate. It is cruel. One in three women is sexually assaulted on the long journey north. Smugglers use migrant children as human pawns to exploit our laws and gain access to our country. Human traffickers and sex traffickers take advantage of the wide open areas between our ports of entry to smuggle thousands of young girls and women in the United States and to sell them into prostitution and modern-day slavery. Tens of thousands of innocent Americans are killed by lethal drugs, not legal, lethal drugs that cross our border and flood into our cities, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. 
Now, I'm going to stop there. You get the point. And he didn't even mention all the ones that the border, our Border Patrol catches that are connected with ISIS and other militant Muslim anti-hating, anti-America-hating uh, illegals. What was it, uh, three years ago? Just the ones they caught were I, I, they identified as foreign radicals, 248 of them. How many of them are bringing in suitcase bombs or who knows what? At no time during the multiple points of applause in this section of this, the president's speech did a single Democrat stand up and applaud. At no time. At none of them. And when he went on to highlight the exploits of ICE Special Agent Elvin Hernandez and quoted Elvin when I, Elvin said, if I can make sure that young girls get their justice, I've done my job. And Trump went on to say, well, thanks to Elvin's work and that of his colleagues, more than 300 women and girls have been rescued from horror and more than 1,500 sadistic traffickers have been put behind bars in the last year, end quote. Flash to all the women in white. Actually, the women should all have been dressed in red because these are the butchering barbarians who all congregate in the name of women's rights. Do they stand and applaud the fact that more than 300 women and girls were rescued? Do they applaud the fact that 1,500 sadistic traffickers in, in, uh, of young girls and women have been apprehended? Do they applaud all that ICE has done to protect women and children? No, these demonic pack of witches sit there. They won't stand and applaud. What a pack of hypocrites. They're for women's rights? Baloney. They won't even applaud ICE catching these guys who are trafficking in human prostitution. Much less they say that they're women and they're so, so wicked and brainless to not realize that 50% of every child slaughtered in the womb is a woman. How's that for women's rights? Oh. Now, did I agree? I told you I was going to point out one thing that I disagreed with, with the president. Just to say that he's not a, he is not a conservative. The paid women's the paid family leave policy is not a conservative principle. I mean, I guess you can do it if you like. A lot of people say, hey, that's great. You have a baby. You ought to be able to take some time off. If your employer wants to do that, fabulous. If you want to be on a board of directors of a corporation and vote that in, fabulous. If you are a small guy or a small gal with a two-person workforce and one of them is off eight weeks or six weeks or whatever and your business crumbles, that's not such a good idea. My point is this. It's, if it's a great idea for your employees, it will attract employees. You'll get better employees. Put the policy in place, but don't make the federal government shove it down our throat. That's not the job of the federal government to make sure that dad's got a, some extra time off. Dad can take some time off. You know what? Do, do I like the idea? Yes. Is it the government's position to ram, cram, and slam it down our throat? No, absolutely not. I'm just pointing out that not everything Trump says comes from a conservative position. A conservative position is keep the government out of your business. So anyway, that's actually a little bit libertarian, isn't it? Oh, 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 Rob, you're going off the rails. Not exactly. Okay. Where do I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm leafing through this because I realize I am not going to finish this, and I do not want this to go, certain things to go unfinished, but I've got to, uh, skip through some things to get to this point. The president said, quote, we want to help working support working parents, and the time has come to pass school choice for America's children. I just want to insert, I am thrilled about this. I'm glad he brings it up because it points out the hypocrisy of the, low, the so-called pro-choice people. We, we support the right to choose. Oh, you want to support the right to choose our own schools? No, 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 no. No, we don't. No, no, we don't mean that. 
Uh, we well, we're, no, just the right to choose to kill your innocent unborn child. That's the only right of choosing we want, not to choose your school because otherwise you might get out from underneath the oppressive Democrat thumb that operates inside the public, the government schools throughout the United States. Talk to the teacher unions. When's the last time they supported a Republican? Ah, come on. There are a lot of good teachers, but I don't know of too many good teacher unions. Okay, so he says, and i got to return to this. To, we want to help support working parents. The time has come to pass school choice. So the president is pro-choice for schools, for Americans' children. I am also proud to be the first president to include in my budget a plan for nationwide paid family leave so that every new parent has a chance to bond with a newborn child. I like the idea. I don't support it as a federal policy. But I repeated that because it's a lead-in to this statement. There could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments before birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia, where he basically stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person. Now, he's drawing upon now, what, the Declaration of, every, every, of, the, of Independence. We're born equally, but you got to get born, I guess. I'm asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. Let us build together a culture that cherishes innocent life. End quote. Folks, not one single Democrat stood. Not a single one. What does this tell you? They can't stand up to for to protect innocent life? No, they can't. No, they can't. I mean, would would of course Obama would never have said this because he loves abortion. He said he wants his daughters if they got pregnant to have abortion if they didn't want to kill the child, get rid of the evidence. I'll slip you off somewhere where some nobody will ever know you were even pregnant. George Bush wouldn't have had the guts to say this. He didn't. He was not that bold. George I wouldn't have Clinton. You know, he was too busy with Monica Lewinsky to uh, focus in this direction. No, it took a Donald Trump. It took a Cyrus to speak so boldly, so forthright. You know the Women's March, that stupid thing that uh, when evil uh, congregates in Washington, D.C., you call it a Women's March? Well, what did they say? He said, we are speaking truth to power. No, Donald Trump speaks truth in power. It inflamed these women. It inflamed. In fact, they should have gone up in flames. They should have just sort of, the, their conscience should have torched their bodies almost. I don't, I'm not talking, look, I'm not talking about setting them on fire. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, it look, I mean, these are women who, frankly, at this stage of, of their careers, are deserving of hell. They deserve a lake of fire. They really do. They hear the truth, and they keep refusing it. And they're growing in number. A bad, bad place for us to be. Going on. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism. This is the last thing I want to cover. And it's the telling point. I have said at the beginning of this program whether you're in the United States or wherever you are thinking about coming to the United States, investing in the United States, listen to this more than anything else. You've heard me talk about how bent on destruction the left is, who Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who should be somewhere in a brain donor line looking to pick up some gray matter, who, when the president was talking about saving the trafficking, the, 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 the women and children for sex trafficking, 
She could. She was lost. She didn't. She didn't know when to stand. She wasn't even listening. Well, wait a. Wait till you hear this, because you heard it, but you need to hear it again. And why? There is no no telling point in the State of the Union address greater than this. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence, not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. End quote. Two things to note. It was the biggest applause of the entire night. The biggest one, and deservedly so. But point number two, not one single Democrat stood up. Not a single one. So you think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the only maniacal, brain-dead leftist female in there? Or leftist Democrat? Way left Democrat? Listen to the crowd of Democrats that are running for office. Everybody is trying to out-left the next one. They're more shrill in their God-hating speech. They're criminal Actually, it's criminal rhetoric when, what's her name, Jamil Hill made reference, you know, kind of an oblique reference to assassinating Trump right after the speech was given. Listen to them. They're all, it's a culture of death. Look, they are the majority in the House of Representatives, and not one of them stood when Trump said we resolve that America will never be a socialist country. At least what I saw, I didn't see any of them stand. If some stood, I didn't see it. You can correct me. Info at redskyradio.net. If I missed something. But if there were any standing, they were in a distinct minority. But I don't believe any stood. And what does that tell you? They are the majority If they continue to expand, we have a majority that wants America to be a socialist country. We want America that's going to work through coercion, domination, control, strip us of our rights and liberties, our freedoms, our independence. Yes, that is what the Democrats want. They think that they're the only ones that know better, that they alone should be in charge, and they alone have the right without any pushback uh, to ram, cram, slam, and jam their their pit of hell, dem- demonic ideology down the throats of the people who have inherited a beautiful culture and biblically based uh, founding of a country that next to Israel could not be a country founded more on biblical roots. Have we done everything right? Oh, of course not. We have embarrassing areas in this nation's history. Very embarrassing. But guess what? Those those embarrassments, whether it's slavery or some of the other things, have cost us and we have learned from them. But not the Democrats. They're not learning from anything. They just push on and on and on in the direction of hell. And now they control the House of Representatives. So if in 2020 this spreads to the Senate, and if it spreads to the presidency, well, long before that, you will hear me give you warnings which you will need to heed as it relates to your investments, as it relates to where you live, as it relates to where your children go to school, your grandchildren go to school, whether you immigrate to the United States or emigrate from the United States, whether you invest here or invest elsewhere. Hey, I don't know what kind of government Nepal has. You guys in Kathmandu, we sing about it uh, here on the radio. <laughs> no, I am just saying. And as I've said often, I care less where we are, but I care immensely about the direction in which we're going. And the direction now is is by a president who knows good is great, but by those who are in control, it's sad. 
It's sorry. It's sick in the House of Representatives, and it spreads. Here, reading from, who wrote this? Amanda, I can never say this woman's last name. Amanda, I apologize, uh, but it's Prestigiacomo. Easy for me to say, right? P-R-E-S-T-I-G-I-A-C-O-M-O. She's a great writer. Thank you for this. But she wrote, she said, with the women in white the other night exposed themselves. Not literally. You get the idea. Exposed their true political feelings. Nearly all female Democrats remained stone-faced when President Trump spoke of protecting the life of pain-capable unborn babies, as well as when he cheered how low unemployment for minorities and the disabled and urged the fight to end sex trafficking. However, they did cheer wildly for themselves. The only point during the entirely highly partisan speech, bipartisan speech that they felt so compelled to enthusiastically cheer. And when was that? When the president mentioned how many women had been elected to Congress. The only time that they enthusiastically cheered was when he spoke about all the Democrat women who are new, newly elected to Congress and ones who have been there, including Nancy Pelosi who seemed to have issues of her own that night. But the speech revealed how angry these women are and actually how hateful all Democrats are. And nothing could have really demonstrated and flushed them out and exposed them for what they are more than this speech. This is why it was a great speech. Was it ultimately unifying? No. It wasn't ultimately unifying, but it was ultimately revealing of where this country is, where it may be going if these witches of, of uh, what was that movie? Witches of Westbrook? Or, I don't know. You get the point. If this cauldron of Democrat women expands and you have the Democratic men who don't have the guts or the cojones to stand up and speak to the truth of the matter, if that continues, we are in trouble. As the writer uh, P- Patricia, another woman, writes, these angry woman, women could not have better demonstrated who and what the Democratic Party is today. As many have observed, it's not the party of JFK. Instead, it is the party of Lenin, Stalin, and Hitler. Those women could not even stand to oppose late-term post-birth abortion. As Planned Parenthood has been for years, these Democrat women are now in Hitler territory. And I could go on. And, and, and of course, you you saw Pelosi, who seemed to apparently had um, denture issues or something. I don't know what it was, but she was as dismissive and clueless and immature as she always is. And I'm glad that she is the moron she is. I'm glad. I got this great shot from a from a listener who took a picture of his TV during the State of the Union. And what did he do? He took a... KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. Sour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump is criticizing Venezuela's disputed leader, 
for refusing humanitarian aid. During talks in the Oval Office, President Trump discussed the Venezuela situation with the visiting president of Colombia. I think there are a number of solutions, a number of different options. He also criticized Venezuela's Nicolas Maduro for trying to block the delivery of humanitarian aid from the U.S. and other countries. It just shows what can happen with the wrong government. You have the wrong government, bad things happen. The U.S. and other nations want Maduro to step down and have recognized opposition leader Juan Guaido as Venezuela's rightful leader. Greg Clugston, the White House. Will there be an agreement between the White House and Capitol Hill on funding for a border barrier between the United States and Mexico to avoid yet another government shutdown? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says Democrats back the bipartisan agreement. That's a win for the American people. Uh, it's a compromise, and that's what appropriators do. And I had confidence that they would, left to their own devices, get the job done. President Trump says another shutdown would be terrible. I think a point was made with the last shutdown. People realized how bad the border is, how unsafe the border is. And I think a lot of good points were made.